We have always existed, and we are still here. Telling the stories of those slung dead, we won't disappear. We're taking the pen back into our own hands. We live and we breathe and we keep creating, taking a stand. History is queerer than you think. Welcome to the Making Queer History Podcast, where we connect our queer history to our queer present. I'm Laura. And I'm Will. And today we're going to be talking about Coxinelle. So, I'm I'm hyped. Uh, her name actually, you know, is... Is a, not Coxinelle? Is not Coxinelle, but it's just like just the cutest nickname. And, and it's generally what she's known by now, and I'm like... Her name cool. is Jacqueline Charlotte de Fresne. Which is a beautiful name as well. Absolutely amazing. See? Iconic. Trans people have picking better their own, names. Picking their own names. Amazing. Peak content. Honestly. But yeah, Coxinelle, which is technically like her stage name slash nickname, means ladybug in French. And you know what? I'm just going to go ahead and say something controversial. A trans person would never name themselves the things that white upper middle class parents named their children. They wouldn't. Specifically, I'm thinking of one thing because we had a friend who was a teacher. This is a complete sidetrack already. I'm, I'm having a time. So we're just starting off with a sidetrack. We had this friend who was a teacher and I'm just gonna, I'm not gonna tell you how it's spelled. I'm just gonna tell you one thing. The child, white child's name is Nirvana. And I'm gonna tell you two letters that are in the name Nirvana that you would not expect. G and H. Downhill. Already, already downhill. Oof. Like, like one, you have a child named Nirvana. And, and you're, you're white. And, and you're white. Like, maybe, I don't know. I don't know if that's like cultural appropriative or not. I'm, I'm not the expert in like that kind of thing. Obviously, I am white, to be clear. So I'm not gonna like come from the heavens and be like, this is cultural appropriation. The line has been crossed. Screw you guys. But, but it's, it, it, it's one of those things that makes me go, hmm. It's at least bad vibe. It's at least bad vibe, which probably was the opposite of what they were going for. Honestly. But yeah, and then GH? Mm-mm. 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 No, thank you. Yeah. I just like, I've never seen a trans person do that. And I'm sure there's one or two who's done that out there. And please email us in. I don't want to make fun of trans. Though I do think some of the funniest jokes within the queer community are making fun of like how specific genders name themselves. I feel like there are Like non-binary people name themselves after nouns. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Trans. Yeah. Just just saying, I'm out here and and, and and I'm being called out. You're being called out. Transgender men name themselves after like sickly orphan boys from like Victorian, Victorian or Elizabethan period. <laughs> and, and trans women just name themselves like nice. It's true. Just yeah, good, nice names that generally would be, be like, ah, that's a name. And yeah, no, that, that seems accurate. I also really, really enjoy seeing the trends of name. 100%. And, like, the amount of friends I have with, like, a specific name. Very funny. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I feel like... I, I'm not going to say the names out loud, but I, no, one of the really neither. popular ones... I'm just going to say it starts with A. All of you will know exactly what it is already. And, and anyone who has the name will immediately, in your head, I want you to be, like, different one. Just immediately immediately believe I'm thinking of a different one because I'm not actually making fun of your name. But I do remember one person being like, yeah, this is my name and it's so unique. And I'm like, did no one tell oh, you? No. Because like they obviously picked it because they thought it was unique. Because it is like a lot of cis, not many cis people are named that. But they're, they're, they were just entering the queer community. I'm like, oh baby, no. <laughs> they were quite young and they were just entering the queer community. And like they were about to meet 
700 other people with that exact same name. I know at least four people with that name, like decently well, not just acquaintances. Yeah, I know. Oh, I was just like, your heart's gonna be broken so many times. I'm so sorry. I'm not sure you're ready for this. Oh, <laughs> uh, oh. But also, 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 <laughs> can we talk about the fact that um, you can look at a cis person and go, <laughs> nice name. Did your mom pick it up for you? I told that joke to my therapist and she thought it was hilarious. It's she so was like, funny. oh my gosh. Yeah, so uh, shout out to Anna. She finds our queer jokes really funny. They are really funny. They are really funny. Anna's right. And do you know what? I really love the delight that like non-queer people get when they get here a queer joke because they're genuinely funny jokes. And sometimes they're a little repeated a little too often within the queer community, but like a straight person has never heard it before. And they're like, this is hilarious. <laughs> and like, not only that, but like, it's like some of their first experiences hearing a joke about queer people that's not, you know, degrading them. And they're like, holy shit. I remember I, I was in drama class and I was like, I, I don't remember what was happening. Someone was putting on glasses and they were like, I can't seem to get this uh, the straight. And I'm like, this is, that's what my parents said about me. And rolling in the aisles. It's such a simple joke that, you know, queer people like around each other all the time. But like the non-queer people were like, oh my gosh, that's so funny. I, I keep telling that joke at work and everyone's <laughs> like, what? I also want to say that I like, I totally power move men as a concept in, in that class because there were two men talking about their like dark humor. And it wasn't actually that bad because, well, one of them's an absolute awful person. One of them was a drama teacher who was fine. Lovely man. But <laughs> um, they were talking and they were like, we're already in a ta tangent and it's literally just over five minutes in the podcast. It's only been tangent so far. I'm so sorry. But so this this drama teacher was talking to this guy and he's like, you know, sometimes going to a dark place makes a joke and you've been funnier. And he was trying to explain, you know, punching down, punching up. But he initially he was like, you know, like I would say, you know, where's my dad? He, he was he was supposed to come out, go out for milk like three years ago. Funny joke. And the other the other man was like, oh yeah, like where was my dad, like he was supposed to get a pack of cigarettes like 10 years ago. He's like, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, oh, I know exactly where my dad is. He's in an urn in my mom's closet. And he was just like, <laughs> I power moved them. I destroyed them. And like, I hold pride in that. Because I, I remember that maybe this is an exaggeration from like my teenage years, uh, like the class finding it all, but the two men just like straight face just being like, Tch. I feel like dead parent jokes are something that anyone like it's dead parent kid privilege that you get to make those jokes and they're funny every time, but no one laughs at them. And it's funnier because no one laughs at them. It's and if you true. don't have a dead parent, you don't get it. And you can't get it. There's nothing funnier than that moment where you make a dead parent joke and everyone in the room just goes silent. Amazing. The biggest serotonin boost like I've ever gotten in my life. I'm so proud <laughs> All the you. biggest ones. They like last me for years. I'm so happy for you. Thank you. But I, I, I think don't get like, it. You don't get it. You don't get it. You don't have a dead parent. But like as soon as you do, like a, a week after, you're gonna be like, maybe even sooner. Fair enough. Hilarious. Absolute height of comedy. Doesn't matter if no one else laughs. It's funnier that no one else laughs. That's a fact. That's a fact. And if you don't have dead parents, you just you just don't get it. But I know every single person who has a dead parent or dead parent is like nodding along. Like, yeah, I know what they're talking about. <laughs> it's a club. It's a very it's exclusive a club. club. It's an exclusive club that you have to go through some stuff to enter. It has a really intense hazing period. <laughs> it has some intense requirements. Yikes. And you can get in it. If you really want to, oh you just have to make some sacrifice. <laughs> yeah. All right. Anyways, that's, you know, 
you can already tell what kind of mood we're in. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and say like before we jump into anything that this podcast also might be a little short. We said that last podcast and it ended up going on forever, but it might actually be really short because we don't have too, too much to talk about in this person's life. They had a, a great life. It just, you know, it was a little quieter, which I love talking about quiet lives. Do you know? Quieter in the way of queer people. Before we jump into talking about Coxinelle, do we have any news? News, 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 news. Not really. Honestly, I'm gonna be honest. We talked about this last month, but uh, Poland, hope you're doing okay. But that's like world news more than anything else. We don't really have any project news. So you can just pretend that that whole section was our project news section. Because mm-hmm. we don't have that much news right now. Things are a little overwhelming with the world. All of it. Not to, you know, admit that I've, I'm on TikTok, but like low-key fuck 2020. <laughs> still sad, still ain't got no money. But, it, you know, we're, we're probably not going to do any of our like ridiculously full fill of months for a little while. Just because, you know, we're all just struggling. We're to... surviving at this point. Yeah, we're just waiting, sitting sitting and waiting this thing out. I um, saw this, like, amazing tweet. And I'm, do you know what? I actually have it screenshotted. So I'm going to credit the person who made it because they deserve that credit. So it's a tweet from at Caitlin Trahan. Should I spell out the name? It's Caitlin with a K. And then Trahan is spelled T-R-A-H-A-N. So that, that's their handle. And they just were like, I need to get my life together, but I'm kind of waiting to see if the world is going to end before I put any real effort in. Which just, it resonated with me. Oh my god. You know, I'm going to show up at my therapy this month and just be like, this is where I'm at, Anna. (laughs) But, you know, it is what it is. But yeah, it's just like a little overwhelming to try and do any like big fancy things here. So we're just keeping it afloat. We appreciate all the support from patrons we get because that's what keeps us going, right? And we're really grateful for that. But yeah, there's not really any news. There's probably not going to be any news for at least this month. If there is, we will tell you on Patreon first. So definitely consider becoming a patron if you want to keep up with the project. www.patreon.com slash queer history. We really killed it on the, you know, URL there. We got it early on Patreon. So we really got to just get the best one. So like, there's going to be like Queer History 1, Queer History 2, Queer History 3. <laughs> We're going to have a lot of those, but we did not have to. It's like in, in on Tumblr. Remember pizza? Yes. I think a lot of drama went out with that blog that I missed because I did things other than Tumblr. And like for like a month and then everyone's like, pizza's dead. I'm like, okay. <laughs> but like those like one name ones were like, how did you get that URL? It's like that. It's Patreon. Queer history. I love yeah. it. And yeah, if you haven't read any of our articles from this month, that is August, mm-hmm. we had a guest article that was actually- Two-parter. A two-parter. So two guest articles. Yeah. So go check that out. And you could also read Laura's article that was about a really cool architect from Sri Lanka. Yes. And I got to learn about tropical modernism. You know, one of the things I really love about this job is that I sort of get to learn these kind of things because I never would have learned about tropical modernism. Otherwise, I don't think about architecture. I don't I don't think about these things. And like, I'm not an architecture person. Like, not to say that it's like not an incredibly valuable field. I don't think anyone's going to assume that I'm saying that. But, you know, I'm, I'm not a person who thinks about it very often. But learning about it actually was super valuable to me. I, I really love learning about tropical modernism. I would really encourage you to read that article. And I'd also encourage you to learn more about tropical modernism as like a movement. I think it's a very interesting one. And also, you know, support the amazing queer architects in your city. I'm sure there's some amazing ones. But also, like, support 
the indigenous architects in your city. I'm just gonna go ahead and say that. I would even say, do you know what? Is support the indigenous architects of your city a little bit more. <laughs> like prioritize indigeneity there. Uh, assuming that you live in a place where indigeneity is sort of a thing. Cause you know, there are places in the world where it's not. <laughs> That's true. But if you live in a place in the world where indigeneity is a thing, support the indigenous architects there. And if you do, don't, go ahead and support them in a place where indigeneity is a thing. <laughs> right. And support, support, indigenous architects because it's amazing. I love the idea of uh, tropical modernism mm -hmm. as a whole because the entire thing is based in, in using building materials that the indigenous cultures have used and, and discovered to be helpful mm -hmm. and like proper for the climate. 100%. And it's so interesting and so cool to sort of return to that. And also like I think it's one of the things I've learned in my like gentle foray into environmentalism because I'm, I'm never going to be like a great environmental leader or anything. That's that's not my place slash interest slash a lot of things. I, I do believe that you should, you know, not stay in your lane, but like have a focus, have a priority. And my priority is like this job basically. But you know, I'm never gonna be like a huge, huge environmentalist person, but you know, I support them the best I can. And I think one of the things that I have learn the most from reading environmental literature and by that I mean like books and stuff has been like how much indigenous sovereignty is like vital to this conversation and how much colonialism is the reason we have con like um I'm just gonna go ahead go ahead and recommend a book uh, to speak for the tree. I think it's a great book. It's by a Celtic woman. I just think you should check it out. Um, see if you're interested. Uh, it, it really sort of made climate change and that stuff make sense in my mind in a way that no one else had before because uh to be clear I'm very very much not science minded and this made it make sense even though it is like a book written by someone with like a doctorate in stem and stuff but it made it make sense and I think it's just like a really valuable book and a valuable discussion of like indigeneity and all the realities that we lost and all the, the knowledge that we lost because of colonialism mm -hmm. so like along with fuck 2020 let's just go ahead and say fuck colonists true yeah fuck yeah all of it all of it all of it and now let's move to france yeah <laughs> they sure don't have a history they sure again one of my favorite jokes in the good place is cheating being like I do not like France. They did colonize my country for a significant period of time. That is such a good joke. That's such a good joke. That's such a good show. And yeah, no, I'm just gonna go ahead and say before we jump into this, France, go fuck yourself. Honestly. As someone who lives in Canada, go fuck yourself, France. And also, go fuck yourself, Quebec. I'm saying it because they banned burkas, but now they're requiring face masks. Mm -hmm. I wonder if there's an issue here. I right. wonder if there is... And I'm saying that about both France and Quebec. So both of them can go fuck themselves. Mm -hmm. Awful people. Not all the people there are awful. But awful um, places. the governments. Yes. I will kick their asses. And the people who voted those governments in, I will send them really bad energy. Also, the, the, the one politician in Canada I like got kicked off the uh, parliament floor for pointing out that Bloc Québécois MP... The only MP who was like, I think we shouldn't look into police brutality. And then like made a dismissive gesture towards Jagmeet Singh, who is a person of color himself. And then Jagmeet Singh called him racist and they got kicked out of the parlor floor. And you know what? Jagmeet Singh was right. And that he guy. And he sh should have done it. He was it. racist. Yeah. He was racist. And you know what? I sent a letter. You should send a letter to, to whoever in the Black Quebecois you know the most and be like, hey, what the hell? 
fuck is wrong with you? And also just support Jack. Also just support Jack Saying Like he is the only politician in Canada where I'm like, okay, you know what? I'd be okay with if you were. <laughs> honestly, honestly. I'd be okay with it. Like I wouldn't be mad. I wouldn't be deep in my bones upset every day you were in office. And I am including Justin Trudeau in the other ones. Justin Trudeau. Did brownface. Did round face. And also he has deeply betrayed all the indigenous communities in Canada. And also he's just like, doesn't do anything. He's daddy's money. Right? I'm just going to go ahead and say that. He's daddy's money who did brown face in college and also like expects us all to love him. Because he's like mediocrely attractive. I don't find... I but he's not. He's not like... Like, I think just... Okay, I'm gonna be mean. I think straight women have low standards. I'm putting my hand up here and I'm saying it. I think they have low standards. Because that, really... He's not attractive. I'm vaguely attracted to men, sort of, sometimes. Uh, it's it's complicated. No. <laughs> just not, like, he looks like a stock photo. That is of a man eating so salad. true. He looks like a stock photo. What the hell are y'all talking about? Also, he deeply disrespects indigenous cultures by pretending that he gives a shit about them and then turning around and being like, oh, I'm selling you out to oil companies. Right. I'm directly going to mm. do that. I, I, I hear you say that y you want support from me and I used your support during the campaign trail as a publicity stunt. But consider this, go fuck yourself. And I'm like, Loki Anyways, fuck just Loki fuck Tr Justin Trudeau and if Jagmeet Singh does not get elected into the prime minister position, I'm leaving Canada. I was already planning on leaving Canada, but if he goes in, I'll stay. Honestly, I'll be like, all right, big we're same. working on being better. Big same. I'm willing to stay, but I'm not willing to stay if he doesn't. Mm. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not doing it. Anyways, this is another rant. I will maybe cut it out and post. I don't know why I said post like I'm a professional. I am not. Anyways, we'll go ahead and start talking. Coxinelle. So she was born in Paris in France, August 23rd, 1931. And then when she was a teen, her family moved to Marseille. Uh, she knew from a very young age that she was transgender and her family was vaguely supportive of it. She was allowed to wear dresses and she wore wigs and yeah, everything seemed pretty chill. And specifically, she was given the name uh, Coco Cineal based off of uh, a little red polka dot dress that she wore. Red red dress with black polka dots. And Coco Cineal in French means ladybug. So it's a ladybug. <sighs> That is so sweet, it makes my head explode. It's it's really, it makes my it's head, really cute. It makes my head explode. It's so sweet. Apparently she at one point she got conscripted into the army, but was discharged mm -hmm. because she caused disruption. As as you should. And then she moved on to working as a showgirl at, at a place called Chez Madame Arthur, where her mother was a flower seller. Very sweet. Just seems very sweet. So yeah, she got to start out as a showgirl, and then that's pretty much what she kept doing. Started working at another place in Paris called Le Carousel, and there she made some close bonds. She lived with some of the other girls she worked with, and she just in genuinely seemed to have a very pleasant time of it. Just had a nice life. Yeah. You can, are you starting to tell why we said this podcast episode will be possibly short? There, are, There's very little information about her. Like, even though she she died as recently as in 2006, I think? Yeah. There's very little information about her. I found, like, in my little preliminary research before this podcast, I found, like, four or five articles, and all mm -hmm. of them said the exact same things. Mm -hmm. And half of them were transphobic. Fun. Fun little fun thing. And also, if you Google Jacqueline Charlotte de Fresne, which is her full name, the Making Core History article is the second hit. Really? Mm -hmm. Go me. Pretty I cool. wrote that. Pretty cool. Eventually, we're going to be recognized for doing something. Who knows what? 
So yeah, she was just genuinely living a happy life. I'm gonna go ahead and assume that she's out as transgender to those around her mm -hmm. at her workplaces. There's nothing that says she didn't. And then she medically transitioned in the 1950s, starting on hormones. And then in 1958, she was the first French person to get a gender confirmation surgery. Fantastic. Good for her. Really good. She would travel to Morocco. Uh, the surgery completed by a doctor, Georges Barreau. And it was, it seemed like, like, I know it's often, especially like being the first person of a country to have have a, a surgery like that done. It's often like a big deal. Mm -hmm. And I believe that when she came back to France, tabloids were like, wow, whoa. But, but, but Coxinelle makes very little drama out of it. What, there's this quote. I have it. Dr. Barreau rectified the mistake nature had, and I became a real woman on the inside as well as the outside. After the operation, the doctor just said, Bonjour, mademoiselle, and I knew it had been a success. Which is just like, simple, sweet, nice. And that's pretty much how she treats her entire transition and her entire life, more or less. Mm -hmm. Or just being like, oh, it happened. Cool. Don't want to talk about it anymore. Let's move on. And I think that's like a very good sort of way to treat, especially a gender confirmation surgery. We don't talk about gender confirmation surgery on here super often. One, because... We don't have medical degrees and to talk about specific without medical degrees seems like not the thing to do. And also because... It's not our business. Yeah, it's not our business and and I believe that gender confirmation surgery is not a necessity in order to live as trans. I 100% agree. And I think, I very much think that like gender confirmation surgery should be what it was for Jacqueline. It should be a validating thing that you can get done and makes you feel better. Mm -hmm. And that's it. It doesn't need to be... It can, if you want to like really recognize this moment in your life, 100% enjoy that. Like really lean into it, be dramatic, whatever. Like have a huge thing, don't have a huge thing. But I think it should always be be viewed as this thing that happens in life mm -hmm. and a natural part of the order of being human. Right? And just like, I feel like trans exists in such a wide variety. Like if you're a trans person, you never ever want to medically transition or even socially transition. Cool vibe right do have a great time i i just you know i think we put we always like put too much pressure on it like one way or the other like you have to get it or it's gonna ruin your life or you're gonna just destroy the kids when really it's just a medical procedure like a lot of procedures if it helps you should do it if it doesn't it's probably unnecessary mm -hmm. that's it right but yeah so jacqueline was very happy with it and then yeah after that she moved on to becoming an actress mm -hmm. She played in a couple of big movies. One, the first one was called Europe du Nord. I don't know if I pronounced that right. I'm assuming it means like the night of Europe or something. Yeah. Uh, she also had an Italian singer write a song about her. There's and a there's a, a number of trans people that I have written about who have had songs written for them, I feel like. Trans people are just like good vibes. <laughs> it's what they deserve. No, actually, it's not what they deserve in one instance because it was actually like really invasive and gross in one instance. It was a Lou Reed song. And uh, yikes. So not, it's not what they deserve. But in this situation, it seems like, ah, I'm happy for her. Yeah, it was, it's, see, I haven't listened to the song, but I just know that it gave her even more fame. Mm -hmm. And people were talking about her a lot. And like the gossip was, was big. And they were like, oh, did they sleep together? And yeah, in general, people were enjoyed talking about Jacqueline. She had a, I thought it was a movie for a while. I think it's like um, a re mm -hmm. review, like, um, cabaret style show almost small vignettes that's put together in a bigger show mm -hmm. i do not know what it'd be called i okay 
not a theater game. I've only seen it be called like a revie. Revi- I don't know how you pronounce that. Uh, in Norwegian, it would be revie. Uh, that's the one I know. Okay. Uh, that was called Cher Churches La Femme, mm-hmm. and that ran for seven months. So she did. She did pretty good. People liked watching her. Mm-hmm. Uh, she got married three separate times, and I'm happy for her. Yeah, and the first time didn't seem to be a big deal, uh, considering that she was marrying men. It was a big deal. It was a landmark decision for both the church and and the law to officially recognize her marriage. But it also wasn't a big deal because she just did it. And continued ongoing. For her first marriage to a sports journalist, Frances Bonnet, she had to get Mm rebaptized as Jacqueline. But then it was like, and then the church was like, cool, have fun. And obviously, that's not always the maintained position of certain churches. But at the same time, I think it's just like a really clear illustration for how, like, even in the simplest actions, queer people are just revolutionary. Like, even in just living their lives, queer people, like, change the world. Because, you know, that set a precedent. Like, very frankly, it set a precedent for trans people who came after her and for her own marriages down the line, including uh, her third marriage, which was to uh, another transgender person, a transgender man. What was his name again? Uh, Thierry Wilson. Mm Mm-hmm. And they got married in 1996. And uh, they worked in transgender activism together, trying to make gender confirmation surgery more accessible and safer and just all these things, like, so that people who wanted it could get it. Because mm-hmm. it was such a positive thing in Jacqueline's life. And yeah, just they seemed to have a nice marriage where she worked hard to help other trans people in the world. Jacqueline even started her own charity mm-hmm. called Devenir Femme, meaning mm-hmm. to become a woman. And then after her third husband's death, she operated her own cabaret in 2002 to 2005. And then at the age of 75, she died. And you know what? I think you understand now probably why we said that short episode. This, she had a very simple yet lovely life. And I think that's just a, a very interesting thing to like, important thing to sort of remind people of. That's not to say there were no concourse there were. And of course there are probably conflicts with transphobia in her life. And But I think it's so, so important to remind people, especially queer people, that queer people have existed in history very quietly. Because for me, it's a great, beautiful thing to hear about all these revolutionary, incredible queer people But also, as I grow older, it's also really nice to hear about the queer people who are able to settle down, have a life that they love, and be able to do the things that they love without everything having to be a big deal. Mm -hmm. And Coxinelle was was famous, but not like not super famous. Yeah, and and she wasn't very. I think there are like three biographies about her. One of which is an autobiography, but there's still like not very much talk about her. Mm -hmm. And And that's okay. She seemed like a fairly private person. And I think it's just like another very clear reminder of how many queer people have probably existed throughout history Mm -hmm. that we'll never hear about. Right? We'll never ever hear about them. And that's not a bad thing. People, not everyone wants to be remembered in history. And not only that, I'm sure there's so many just happy stories. And I, I, I hope that you can sort of keep that in your head and in your heart. That like there are probably so many happy stories that you'll never ever hear. Because it didn't cause a fuss one way or the other. Talking about this sort of makes me wonder how we are going to be remembered. That makes sense. Like, 100 years from now? 100 years from now. I'm not sure I'll be remembered 100 years from now, and I'm okay with that. Like, I'm okay in the here and now, doing what I do now. I used to describe myself as, what what, what was it? The literal, like, embodiment of the term hedonist. And just, like, I, I sort of, you know, I do what's good now. And now, as I'm older, I, I, I maybe think about the future a lot more. But I, I truly, truly, genuinely think that by making a difference with one person, you change the world, like, done. And I think it's it's such a silly, grim, dark thought to to cry at the idea forgotten because like 
that's not how things work. Like it doesn't really matter if your name's remembered or if if your accomplishments are remembered, as long as you were generally, even not even generally, if you helped someone, if you were kind sometime, if you made a difference in people's lives, that's enough. Like that's enough to me. That's always gonna be enough to me. And maybe that's me being sappy as I get older. Because before I was like, when I was younger, I was like, you know, I need to be remembered. I need to, you know, be immortalized in all these ways. But it's, it's not as interesting to me anymore. Because I think the more you experience the world, the more you're able to love it or hate it. You, you really get a choice there. And there are definitely things that influence that choice. And sometimes it doesn't feel like a choice. But you know, it's really the lens in, in which you look through the world. And if you look through the world believing that every act of kindness does make a difference, then you, you're like automatically, it, immortality doesn't matter. The kindness matters, the, the care matters, even if it doesn't do anything for like 3 billion people, even if you're not Shakespeare. If you were nice to that one person who was having a bad day, that's enough even if it doesn't change their life even if they don't remember you i don't know maybe that's me being maybe i'll have a different opinion tomorrow a moment of kind better lifetime of accomplishment it is it genuinely is i and i say that as someone who deeply hates salvador dali and and deeply hate picasso and all these amazing accomplishments who were not kind it wasn't worth it like i want to say right now that sort of this idea we have of how our accomplishments will be remembered in history it's it's not worth being unkind for it's just not worth it and and maybe you know maybe i'm wrong maybe in the the scales of the universe i'm wrong but i just genuinely do not think salvador dali melting clocks were worth how he hurt people i don't believe anything is worth how he hurt people and i don't think it makes up for it and truly truly genuine that jacqueline kind to people and just having a nice sweet life is much more worthwhile even though she's remembered a fraction of the math that he did like i don't know if you're basing it off of how often your name is mentioned in a google search sure have fun <laughs> But I just, I just know, I don't know that that's what, that's where morality should be. I don't know that's where, maybe that's me being an anti-capitalist bastard, but I'm not sure that's where my morality wants to define itself. And, you know, that's coming from someone who's like in a really not great moment in my life right now, but like, and who hasn't created something for a little while, but it doesn't, it doesn't add up the same way. You know, me not being able to create for a month, maybe two months, not being able to create as much as I want to would never hurt the world in the same way that me being cruel to people for two mm. Does that make any sense? Yeah. And even not being like actively running around being like, ah, fuck you, but just going around my regular life being cruel to people, it's much worse. It's much worse than not. And that's just my opinion, you know, just dive into morality at the end of the thing to fill out some minutes. <laughs> uh, but yeah, let's, yeah, let's move on. Um, yeah, I think that's the note to coax it all on. Yeah. If you can, I, I believe you can listen to Coax It Out on the spot. Yes. And there's still a couple of YouTube videos out there as well. Mm -hmm. So if you want to listen and uh, hear more about her, hear more from her. Or just hear a trans voice mm -hmm. in your ear. Listen Dive to Coax It Out. Next section is Wrecking the Queers, where we recommend things to you and you wreck us. There's not really any wrecks, I think, recently. No one's really sent in. And you'd be thinking like, hey, what's up with this? Heartbreaking. Y'all yes, are so breaking sad. my heart. Um, when will you send us emails? I am low. And we I actually get sad. a lot of emails. We get a lot of emails. But I most just, of them are just things that I'm like, I, I don't know that the podcast would be super interested to talk about this. That's not to drag anyone's emails. Your emails are super interesting to me. But they're always like very specific questions. And I'm like, I'm not sure anyone in the podcast will want to talk about this. Oh, actually, I had someone email me, new patron. Hello, Laura. That is a patron's name. We have the same name. Pretty awesome. Hello, Laura. Uh, Laura emailed me being like, hey, 
how does the Patreon payment system work? And uh, maybe that's a good idea to explain that right now. I, I try to explain it as often as I can, but sometimes I forget. So basically on Patreon, we release four things a month, every month, no matter what. That is generally three articles, one podcast. And if we don't get things finished within a month, we'll put up a placeholder and we'll never charge you more than four months. So basically what happens is, sorry, I'm not explaining this well. When you sign up to be a patron, it's like $1 patron, $5 patron, da, 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 da. It's not one to five. It's, it's like one, two, three, seven, whatever. And you sign up to be a $1 patron. That means you pay $4 a month. So you pay for four pieces of content. You pay $1 per piece of content that yeah. we post. Exactly, exactly. So it's, it's pretty simple. Yeah, and we'll never go with more or go with less than four. Even if we have to put in a placeholder and be like, hey, sorry, we weren't able to finish four this month. So here's a placeholder for the, this podcast. We'll always do four. We'll never do more than four. But if you are a person who's like, um, I can pay, give you $1 a month, totally fine. You, I think there's a setting on Patreon where you can be like, only give this project this amount of money per month. It's like a setting specifically so that a Patreon, someone's Patreon can't scam you. And I think it's a very helpful setting to have. Screw Bella Flip Thorn. Just like, mm. side note, screw Bella Thorne. Uh, she really screwed up OnlyFans, didn't she? But I think it's a really good setting for uh, Patreon to have. And it, it's basically just like, I will never pay this project more than four times a month or something like that. Or if you are someone who's like, I don't, I'm not able to pay $4 a month or I want to be a $5 patron, but I don't want to pay that four times a month. Totally cool. Just go to that thing and be like, how many times you want to pay a month? Or if you don't trust us, feel free to just say four times a month and never let us do more anymore. Cause like, yeah, no, I, I, I won't be offended. Um, and I hope that it'll never ever be tested. You know, if you're not really sure if you have the financial stability to become a patron right now, we have a donation link where you can give us one-time donations. And you can find that on our website, www.makingcareerstudy.com. And you'll find that on one of the drop-down menus. And everything else will be on our website as well. Our exactly. articles, links to podcasts, mm -hmm. links to our shop, mm -hmm. on all our social medias. Everything is there. Everything is there. So, you know, fun financial information. So yeah, that's pretty much it. Now, time for recommendations. What do you have to recommend us? So um, who I'm gonna recommend is a poet, a queer poet. Um, I feel a little silly recommending him because I feel like everyone knows who he is. But you know what? I'm just gonna go ahead and say, I recommend you read Walt Whitman's work. I read it this summer. Uh, I didn't read all of it, obviously, but I, I read Song of Myself by Walt Whitman. So that's my direct recommendation, Song of Myself by Walt Whitman. Absolutely fantastic book. I think like, like Walt Whitman is one of the, the people in, in the universe who I, I think of and I'm like, he knows so much more than me. There's, there's a lot of people who know more than me in the universe, but he's one of the only ones where I constantly am like, I, I don't think I'll ever reach that level of just knowing. I think his poetry just really shines. And I think that like, it's one worth the read, but especially worth the read, I think to queer people and also to all you cottage core queers, because um, here's a vibe. And also it includes a lot of discussion about like equality. And I'm not gonna say every take is like the hottest take in, in 2020, but most of them that I read were actually legitimately good. He was like, I support sex workers. And I'm like, thank you, Walt. Thank you so much. And he's like, I support women. I'm like, nice. And he's like, I support, you know, runaway slaves. And I'm like, Fin finally someone fucking gets me. <laughs> Um, I'm gonna read a couple quotes from him because I just like love, I love, love, love this poem. And this is from Song of Myself by Walt Whitman. Um, and yeah, I just encourage that you read him. Uh, feel free to call him out as problematic. Like I'm not, I'm not gonna be heartbroken if y'all tell me that he, he did some shitty things in his life. I can still enjoy his work. While also, if you tell me he did something shitty, I'll just be like, I enjoy his work. Here are some of the things we need to look out for when we read it. 
Okay, here we go. Here, Here's just a, 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 I love reading this part, knowing that he is a gay man. Welcome is every organ and atomy, and of any man hardy, not an inch nor a particle of an inch is vile, and none shall be less familiar. That's so good. I just, oh, I love it. I love it so much, knowing that he's a queer man. Uh, how about this one? Loaf with me on the grass, lose the stop in your throat. Not words, not music, or rhyme I want. Not custom or lecture, not even the best. Only the lull I like, the hum of your valved voice. Ah, incredible. Love that, love that, love that. Uh, let's see. Okay, here we go. This is sort of in, in reference to what we were talking about earlier. All goes onward and outward, and nothing collapses. And to die is different from what anyone supposed and luckier. I'm just like, man, you calm me down, you calm me down. I'm gonna see if I can find one more to leave you off on. Here, here's the last one. And here's one that just like really sums up his philosophy that I feel like, at least in his poems. So here we go. In all people I see myself, none more and not to one a barley corn left. All the good or bad I say of myself, I say of them. And I know I am solid and sound. To me, the converging objects of the universe perpetually flow. All are written to me and I must get what the writing. That's it. I just, ooh, I love this. Okay, I'm gonna read one more. I'm gonna read one more and that's, we're done. I know I am august. I do not trouble my spirit to vindicate itself or be understood. I see that the elementary laws never apologize. I reckon I behave no prouder than the level I plant my house by after. I exist as I am, that is enough. If no other in the world be aware, I sit content. If each and all be aware, I sit content. Like, oh, if that doesn't blow your mind, I don't know what will. Like I was reading that at the park and just being like, holy shit. This man is changing my entire world in this tiny little poem. Well, not tiny, it's a very long poem actually for, you know, a poem, but I, I definitely would recommend reading it. Um, yeah. Read some Walt with Women Read some Walt Women. Get some validation for yourself. Some serotonin. Him and, and Langston Hughes are my two favorite poets at this point. Just there's no one on that level. It's, that's it, that's Good all choices. I got to say. That's it, send tweet. <laughs> exactly, I, that, I have so many feelings about both of them and about like, what they contribute. I have more feelings about Langston Hughes actually because I know a little bit more about him than I do about Walt Women. I don't, I know very little about Walt Women, which sounds funny because I'm a queer history person, but let's recognize that uh, queer history does not settle in America. So I don't need to know all American things, all of the queer American history things. And doing a global queer history focus does make my, my knowledge a little bit more scattered, a little bit more vague, so that's on me. Um, but I just, I have enjoyed him as a writer for so long. Him and E.M. Forrester are two queer writers who I, I adore, but I, I don't think I'll ever like write an article on myself because I feel like I don't know I could do it in a good way. And that's not saying that like, I'm not open to hearing that they're problematic. Please tell me if they're problematic. I can still enjoy their work if they're problematic. I just, you know, I don't think I would want to write an article about either of them. I enjoy their work too much. That makes sense. To ever want to write an article about them. But that means if you, are a queer person who really cares about Ian e. Forrester, not Walt Women. We're not accepting any more American articles, but Ian e. Forrester, please go to our website and submit a proposal for a guest article because we would love to have someone write about him, just not me. They're just like, just not me. That's that's <laughs> the big old rule. Anyways, um, yeah. That's all from us today, I think. Thank yeah. you so much for your support. For your tide of love. Yes. Ebbing and flowing in whatever way you need it to. And take care of yourself. You know, no inch nor particle of an inch is vile within you. That is true. Well, I mean, it truly is a banger. Anyways, we'll let you go. Have a great day. And remember, history is queerer than you think. We have always existed and we are still here.